You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central. And you can always give us a listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Without further ado, grab a cup of joe, find a comfy chair, and enjoy the conversation. Good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. Uh, we're here today with a brand new series for you called Mission Spotlight. Uh, you'll notice it's uh, it's me and someone who's not Pastor Doug. Today we have uh, Pastor Chris Pavola with us from All Nations Church, and so we're very excited to have him here, and yep. thank you for joining us Thanks today. Thanks for having me. So this Mission, mission Spotlight uh, study that we're doing, we've kind of been bouncing back and forth in Coffee and Clergy between a more textual study where we dig into a book of the Bible uh, very deeply, and a discussion where we kind of broadly cover some other aspect of ministry or theology. So this is going to be focused on um, our our kind of mission partnership with uh, various uh, different missions and groups around our uh, St. Louis area and abroad. And so we're here today starting with All Nations Church, and we're excited to be here. So Chris, how are you? I'm good, man. Good. Beautiful day out. Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. Good. Uh, you don't know this, but we already tried to do this once, and so, so <laughs> we had some technical difficulties, <laughs> and we're back, and uh, we're, we have more caffeine in our system, and we're ready to go. So <laughs> let's start with this question, Chris. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, your, yeah. your background, your family, some things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, my name is Chris Pavla. I'm the pastor here at All Nations, and um, we've been here three years now mm-hmm. uh we were talking earlier but it feels it feels like last year doesn't really count <laughs> for obvious reasons so mm-hmm. it's like this it feels like two years but it's been three mm-hmm. um since our public launch here in this space um where i'm sitting right now uh we share a wall on and we're in a strip mall and so on that wall on the other side of that wall is a beauty supply shop and on the other side of this wall is a payday loan store <laughs> Um, there's a Dollar General right there mm-hmm. and a nightclub down there. And so we're kind of, this is kind of where we are, uh, right on Olive Boulevard in yeah. University City. Um, I am a husband. Um, my wife, Ashley, and I have been married for 16 years this summer. It's pretty okay. crazy. And uh, then we have five kids uh, under the age of 10 in our house, <laughs> uh, three through adoption and two through foster care. And we love that aspect of, yeah. of our family as well. It's got to be busy, but yeah, it's probably very Dude. good. Too. <laughs> I have one right now under the, you know, under at least 13 months or so. I'm, it's busy for us. So I can even, even this morning, like grandma came to the house and I like tag you're it. Okay, grandma, you're here. Then I came here to do this with mm-hmm. you guys because like, I can't just <laughs> leave the kids. The kids. In the house. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, it takes a lot of coordination. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got into church planting, into ministry, what your background from a professional standpoint. Yeah, right. So before this, I was a um, director of worship for about 10 years at a a church, and my wife was um, at that time then a director of youth and family ministry, and we just kind of started feeling this this call. Um, I, I took a an assessment. I, I, I heard a stat that church planting is the most effective methodology of the church to reaching lost people. Mm. That, you know, statistically, 
more than any other effort the church can do, church planting will reach people who do not follow Jesus. Mm. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do food pantries or clothing drives or things like that. But if you want to reach people, plant churches. And I took this church planner assessment test and the results came back and it was basically like, you idiot, you should have figured this out sooner. (laughs) So I left there after a lot of prayer and consternation and went to seminary at Concordia in St. Louis here. And then while I was there, opportunity came up to plant a church here. Awesome. So uh, you uh, felt the the call while you were here in St. Louis at the seminary to stay in this area, start something up in U-City, right? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, so at the time, my family, like I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, we were growing through adoption and foster care, and so we were becoming a multi-ethnic family. Yeah. And that started to change the lens that I, like, looked at, excuse me, changed the way I looked at the world around me, and we recognized we needed to have... Uh, more representation in their life of people who looked like them. And we were in a homogeneous community and we needed to diversify. And so that was just like, and then at the same time, started to read scripture with a whole new lens because all of a sudden I'm reading like Ephesians 2. Uh, Lutherans, we love Ephesians 2, Mm -hmm. right? Grace, you're saved through faith. And then the very next paragraph, he's like, and the cross has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between the nations, and there's now one new humanity in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness. The cross doesn't Original. just reconcile us to God. The cross reconciles us to each other. Yeah. And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And so like this heart of being a church as diverse as the city we serve started to get crafted in me and forged in me mm-hmm. while I was weighing this church planning thing, while I'm at seminary. And asking these questions of what is and isn't church and, okay, what does it look like? You know, because you're starting from scratch. Okay, what are you going to do? And you met your neighbor and two people. One of them's a Buddhist, one's an agnostic. <laughs> How do you do church like that? And, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild ex- uh, um, exercise to go through and just thought process. But um, that led us here to University City. They were just like, hey, this is a really multiracial town. Uh, there's a lot of kids in this community. Your wife has that youth ministry degree. Mm. You guys should look at planting in University City. And so we parachuted in, just me and my wife and our two kids. What is it, do you uh, think, about community. about church planting that, that makes it the right fit for University City? What, why do you think that is? Yeah, so the phrase I use all the time, and I mean, if I had a, a nickel, <laughs> every time I say this phrase, I would be able to fund another pastor here at All Nations. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, the, it, the phrase is that more churches reach more people. New churches reach new people. Mm. And different churches reach different people. More new different. And it's so true. You want to reach more people? You want to reach new people? You want to reach people that look, act, think, believe, behave differently than you? Plant churches. Mm. It worked for the Apostle Paul. It works today. Yeah. And that's what I say. I mean, just like... Church planning, in a nutshell, is where there is no church, you start a church. Mm. Why? More new, different. Yeah, and you can feel this kind of tension that that you exist as a church here in this area that that reflects the community around you. But oh. it, its core, it's still the church, right? You yeah. you have mentioned before the the baptisms that you do. You preach the word. You're mm. a church that confesses and and, and repents. You're a church that. Um, that gives sacraments. So it's still added in its bones. It's the church. It's the church in every way that any church is the church. But when you would walk into this place, for, for most of our viewers, it wouldn't look like a church. Right. You know? So uh, you're, you're, like you said, you're in a strip mall, you're between a nail salon 
on a, a is it payday loans i think yeah. Loans, yeah so it's uh, that's a foreign concept to yeah. most people in the yeah. lutheran church missouri synod but you your your teaching your your essence is still lutheran church missouri synod it's just it yeah. has a different coat of paint on it yeah for, we we put our hands and we took the same uh vow of the same confessions the book of you know yeah. book of concord all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. there, there, to even go further than me there's a buddy of mine who uh is, is was a mission guy he graduated the same time I did and he sent me a picture of his church in Africa oh, yeah. and all it was was a patch of dirt in a field with a bench hmm. and he's like here's my first Sunday and I was like <laughs> look at that yeah you just need a bench don't even need a roof you don't even need <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. and, and, but, but I mean think about it like yeah. what is the church and like I frankly I, I love that I went into the seminary asking the question what is the church because when I got into like you know Beerman's you know he's one of the professors there mm-hmm. uh, when I got into like some of the dogmatics or systematics and you're asking these what is the church kind of questions oh my goodness mm-hmm. man like it, it was so rich and meaningful to like have that filter to go well how does this translate to when you're starting a church from nothing. Yeah, it makes you realize the church is not a steeple, as the song the it's not. Yep. It's not stained glass. It's not an altar. Yeah, at <laughs> right. the front. Exactly, yeah. I'm teaching my kid these songs. Yeah, so right. They're stuck in my brain. <laughs> um, but it is the, the, the people, surely, as the song goes. But it's also the, the bones and the, the soul of the church is yep. centered on Christ and Absolutely. his word and his sacraments. And yep. so that's still something that, that very much is the DNA here. Yep. And, and even, even like the idea, we were, uh, we were talking about this in the other recording, and I think it's worth mentioning, <laughs> but like the, even the idea of communion. Yeah. Um, when you have a room full of new and non-Christians and we've, we've done 41 baptisms. And I, I, if I boast anything, I boast in that, right? Like I boast in Christ. He kind of this idea of like, look at what God is doing. That's more baptisms than we've had over that period of time. But, so but I mean, more, new, more thing. churches reach more people, right? Mm-hmm. And so a new, new, different, right? And so, um, but if you have a room full of new Christians or non-Christians and they're about to take the Lord's supper, hold up. <laughs> you got some you can't just say uh I, like for instance i can't preach on um pentecost or i can't preach on jonah and the whale mm-hmm. and then say oh and by the way now we're going to celebrate communion because it's just such a hard left turn yeah it's like you're driving and no one threw on a signal and they're just like thrown mm-hmm. against the wall like what are we doing now and yeah. then you do all this peer pressure of look everyone's taking communion you should come up and now they're taking the, the meal unworthily mm-hmm. and so for me, I love this. We have a separate communion service entirely where I teach on communion and then we celebrate it. Yeah. And we do that once a month. We've been doing that since the beginning. And I love it for half an hour, every, once a month, for half an hour, I take on some new angle of the, the richness of this meal and what God is doing. And yeah. then we celebrate it. And my goodness. And actually going back, that's what the early church did. Yeah. In, in the Didache, there's a book called the Didache, right? It's, it's um, like the early church kind of stuff. Teachings. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, post book of acts but mm-hmm. basically they'd have a service and then they dismiss everyone who wasn't yet a believer and they would celebrate the lord's supper yeah. together as a family of correct of christ yeah so yeah i think uh that's that's novel but i think also scriptural and yep. powerful i wonder how many churches would benefit that when i say churches how many brick and mortar steeple stained glass churches would benefit from that same practice it's so yeah. wild i mean because we just preached I, this is fresh in my memory is why i say this mm-hmm. we just preached um uh doubting thomas uh that that account so it was the sunday after easter yeah and i just talked about doubting thomas and it's wild because it's it, it, it it's the first service 
after Easter. Mm -hmm. So it's the first church service in the history of Christianity. And they're gathered together, (laughs) and Thomas is there, meaning that someone loved Thomas enough to invite him, even though he wasn't a believer. And they were accommodating towards him, and they included him, and they they, they were talking about the resurrection, obviously, Mm -hmm. and that's what we talk about every Sunday, how Jesus died and rose from the dead. It, was, it just consumed the conversation, but Thomas was welcome in there. And then Jesus, and then he was able to encounter Jesus mm-hmm. and say, my Lord and my God, because he was included. But yeah. the church was, um, the church from the very beginning included non-believers yeah. in their fellowship and then had different things that they did or didn't do. Maybe fellowship's the wrong word, but in their practice, they're like, okay, we understand that not everyone here is on the same page as yeah. us. And it was this accommodation. And then for, for me to go, I think there's something beneficial in the way that the Thomas, having a Thomas in our midst, keeps us grounded. Mm-hmm. It's it's because all of a sudden, like you can't um, you can't speak in shorthand. You have to mm-hmm. speak in longhand. Yeah, and you have to you have to understand. You know, like the the, the example I give all the time. I'm talking a lot, but the example okay. I give all the time when you're a church planner, like if you're a, a pastor in a church, you can just say, "Today we're going to read." Paul's epistle to the Galatians. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say, well, there's a man named Paul <laughs> and yeah. he was planning and he was going around telling people about Jesus and he was going to these living rooms and these houses all and this, uh, all over Turkey and minor Asia. And he went to this place called Galatia. And then later he wrote a letter to this people who were meeting in a home in Galatia. Mm. I have to say such long hands compared <laughs> to Galatians 5, 22 says. Well, I wonder how many people in our congregations know that history behind Galatians. Sure, Probably and so yeah. it makes us better uh-huh. to be accommodating. In some ways, it makes <laughs> us, it just makes us wiser, sharper. Yeah. yeah, and you never know exactly, even though you might have people in, in the pews for 20 years, you don't know exactly what, what they've exactly. experienced. So yeah. treating everyone in the worship space as if though they were, were a first-time guest or someone who had no knowledge is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I, I say that the adage I say all the time is that when you preach to the Christian, the non-Christian checks out. Mm-hmm. But I find when you preach to the non-Christian, the Christian tends to lean in. Yeah, and they get motivated by that sometimes yeah. too, I think. They yeah. say, hey, let me walk beside this this brother, let me answer some questions. Yeah. Let me engage in conversation. Exactly. So, yeah. Let's move on to another question here. So, we mentioned kind of your background and how All Nations got started, but let's talk about kind of the present of All Nations and ask this question. So, what is All Nations' purpose, and, like a mission statement? What are you guys here for? Yeah, our mission statement is we do whatever it takes. So, as many as possible mm-hmm. can see Jesus. Okay, that's a great statement. <laughs> Tip. What yeah. do we do? Whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. For who? As many as possible. Yeah. To do what? See Jesus. Jesus. And like, it, we can't, I can't make people believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I can sure as heck make sure they see him. Mm. Yeah. So how does that play out practically in kind of on a, on a Sunday when people come around or mm-hmm. when you meet for your small groups and stuff like that? Yeah. So the way, uh, the, kind of the, the big picture kind of way uh, to describe it, or if I have like a minute to Mm. describe it to people um, is, you know, like picturing a crowd of people surrounding Jesus and they're walking and they're following him because he keeps walking, you know, Mm -hmm. this crowd of thousands of people, they're all there to know Jesus better than they do at the very least. And, and 
in the back of the crowd, they can't all hear him, they can't all see, speak with him, they can't all touch him, but everyone's there to see him. And so the first thing that we do is we make sure that people can see Jesus. That's mm. what's our mission statement. And we, we believe primarily people see Jesus through service mm. and his name. So when we serve, we serve the junk out of this community, man. Like we do litter pickups and we do basketball tournaments and food giveaways and mentorship in our schools and actually king of kings has helped with uh our mentorship in our public elementary school here and we'll, we do uh holiday shops and you guys have helped with that mm -hmm. and you know all of these incredible things that we do every time you guys partner with us in a service project it helps us show jesus to people around us yeah. and then going back to the metaphor of a crowd when they see jesus at work they step forward in the crowd to hear what he has to say mm. And we say we hear Jesus through his word. Mm -hmm. So we see Jesus through his service. We hear Jesus through his word. That's what we do in our large group gatherings. Primarily we gather to hear Jesus speak uh, and we, to hear from God's word. And so when I preach, I, nobody ever walks out of here wondering, I wonder what Jesus thinks about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, Boy, if only that were the case for all pastors, yeah. right? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. um, but we do a large group gathering the last Sunday of every month. Yeah. The last Sunday of every month, we gather in this room, large group of people pre-pandemic. Now we've been doing drive-in services. Yeah. And then um, in the crowd, when you're done hearing Jesus speak, so you've seen him, now you hear him, you step forward to speak with him. Mm -hmm. This is when people are like, how many times should I forgive my brother? Yeah. Tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. Like, you know, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. You know, all these questions. And his word kind of spurs us onto those, those discussion Draws points. Us yeah. In. And so where do you speak with Jesus? Well, we say through conversation, either mm -hmm. with God, prayer, mm -hmm. or conversation with other Christians. I yeah. believe that you speak through God to me and I speak through God to you. Like, Scripture is clear on that. And yeah. so we have a small group model. We say we're a church of small groups, not a church mm -hmm. with small groups. So the last Sunday of every month, we gather in a large group. The Sunday mornings in between, we gather for church in small groups and homes and coffee shops around the city. Sure. That's then you know, what we do the rest of the Sundays of the month. And then the last thing that you would do in the crowd is you press through a little bit more. If you're convinced by what you've heard, you've had this conversation with him, mm -hmm. and you press through to touch him, like the edge of his robe, right? Sure. You, to touch him, you know, to be healed. And so many of Jesus' miracles, and I struggle to even think of any that don't involve touch of some kind, you know? He Maybe healed some people from, like, the other town or something. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your servant's healed go. But uh -huh. most times, he's touching people. Uh -huh. He's touching the tongue, touching the or eyes. Or lifting them up. Or, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so touch, anyway, and so I say all the time, well, where do you touch Jesus? Hmm. Well, in our confessions, you touch him in two ways. Baptism. And the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. He says, this is my body. This yeah. is my blood. Take touch. You know, Tangible. It's tangible, right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, see, hear, speak, touch. Yep. That's the four things. Yeah, see, that's great. See through service, uh, hear through his word, speak through conversation uh, in small group, and then touch through baptism and communion. Yeah, and what I love about that model is what's it all about? Every action that you're doing as as a church is to get people closer into Jesus, right? right. It's, a, it's a centrality on Christ, and I think that that's— that's an uh, all-nations way of stating a truth that's been around since the beginning of time, right? right. The beginning, certainly, of the church is that's what we're here to do, is to lead others yep. to come to know their Savior. And it simplifies, it clarifies what we don't do as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, good. It's a good question. So, um, good answer to a question, I should say. So, let's ask this question uh, in, in terms of all-nations and King of Kings. How did you first get in in 
connection with King of Kings. You actually were connected before I was around, so I'm glad to yeah. continue whatever whatever was. So before was put in we place. even planted this church, what we did is we did something called prayer walking, mm-hmm. where we just went for a walk in the neighborhood and started praying for whatever we saw, and amazing stories out of that. But over the last over over the course of a year not last year, but over the course of a year before we planted the church, we prayer walked over 100 miles of this community. Every sidewalk, street, block, neighborhood, we prayed over it. Mm -hmm. And along the way, you know, it's like this amazing thing of God revealing to us, you know, just what kind of, what are the values that this church should be? What kind of church is God wanting to plant in this community? And along the way, I was inviting people to prayer walk with me. It was take like an hour. And um, at the time, Pastor Greg Prowner, Mm -hmm came on a prayer walk with me and he okay. was like, whoa, hmm. I want to be a part of this. Cool. And I think King of Kings does too. Yeah. And then you guys have been gracious to come on board. It was included, I think, in a campaign mm-hmm. and to just, I, I say all the time that God has called us to a community where the, the needs way outweigh the means. Mm-hmm. And so in order to plant urban churches, we need suburban church support. And um, King of Kings will forever be a part of our first, you know, just the, the beginning of All Nations story and mm-hmm. making this possible. And I think, um, I don't think the partnership's done. No, I hope, I hope not. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think we would, uh, we would consider our work to be done with you guys either. No, and it was reciprocal too. It like, is. It's like, yeah. why would we stop what's so good? Yeah, certainly. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's ask this question. Um, let's look to the future now. We've talked mm-hmm. about the past and where you came from, the present, what you're doing. What's your kind of plan uh, if in an ideal world the Holy Spirit brings to you things unimaginable? What would you shoot for in the next five years for, um, for All Nations? For All Nations, yeah. Well, in some ways, the see, hear, speak, touch model mm-hmm. doesn't change. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to do whatever it takes so as many as possible can see Jesus. Like, why, why would you? my wife, she, sometimes she's, she quips things, and I'm just like, that is such a great way to say it. Mm-hmm. But she's, she said, why would we stop doing what got us here mm-hmm. just because we got here? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. Well, why do churches stop doing what gets them somewhere? And mm-hmm. like, and I don't know why we do that, but like. We fall into comfort zones. It happens all the time. It's human. Something. Human I don't know. Thing. But, uh. We will continue to be a church that does whatever it takes so as many as possible can see Jesus. And we will continue to do a bunch of service events. We will continue to do large group uh, gatherings the last Sunday of the month. And then the Sunday mornings, we'll continue to do church in small groups. And the mm-hmm. reason we do, and to, to kind of speak to small groups real quick, um, there's, there's just things that you can do in a small group that you can't replicate anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is higher. Ownership is higher. Relationships are higher. Accountability is higher. Involvement is higher. Everything's And then, like, just the way that you put the Word of God in people's mouths, Mm -hmm. where they're talking about it, I think it's more likely they're going to have a conversation at home if they've practiced with other people in a small group, Mm -hmm. and they're going to talk about Jesus at home or at the workplace because it's a little bit more familiar. It's like fluency in any language. What Mm -hmm. You You learn it at home. Well, yeah, but you learn it by practicing and Mm -hmm. making mistakes and someone saying, no, 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 like with a three-year-old, you're Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 it's not, you know, it's not um, bup, it's mm-hmm. cup, yeah. you know, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Same thing with small groups. Just practicing getting these words in our mouths um, is huge. And then the, the racial reconciliation aspect to it all. Anyway, so we will continue to do small groups, but we'll do more of them. Mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of back to, we were talking about my buddy who's got like, here's a bench in Africa. There's another (laughs) church. The beauty of small groups is that every time we, in some way, every time we start a new small group, we're starting a new church. Now I write the content for them. I write the discussion guides and the hosts are trained and trained leaders, but we're starting more small groups. Yeah. And all you need is a coffee pot. <laughs> it's scalable. And like, and that's one of the things we are a lean machine here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot. And because again, we're in a community where I don't think that's possible, but basically when I ask somebody if they can have a small group meet in their house, it's like, do you have a coffee pot? <laughs> you have a coffee pot? Okay. People have apps on their phone to get to a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a couch? Uh-huh. Oh, great. I think you're ready for a church to meet in your house. You cool. know, like, yeah. And that's awesome, man. And mm-hmm. so I think we'll see more of that. And I truly believe God's not done baptizing. Sure. God's not done um, touching people with yeah. what he promises. Bringing people to see him, yeah. One, one of the things I think when you're mentioning, like, we're going to keep doing the same thing because what it's what God is here and it's what God has called us to be. I think one of the things you mentioned when you're like, why did churches quit doing that? The thing I see is churches that are built on sort of the incidentals of, of what a church is, like, wow. you know, the programmatic stuff, or they are built on um, being the best uh, in terms of, you know, praise band music or anything like that, they, they tend to want to grow in areas other than what's at the core of who they are. One of the things I like about your model is it's, it's scalable in the sense that it's based off of the core teachings of the Christian faith. And I think that your, your image of the kind of concentric circles around Jesus, um, is one really good one. Um, your mission statement of, of doing whatever it takes to, to, I'm not sure I have it memorized yet. You heard it once and you almost got it. No, as many as possible. Many possible see Jesus. Yeah. Right. So I like that because that is, that works for a church of, of 50 people where 25 of them have never heard of Jesus before and it works in church of 5,000. 5, and as long as you and other churches stay true to the core of what God has called them to be, yeah. I think you'll see bumps in the road. You'll see seasons of, of ebb and flow, but you'll certainly see a consistent uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit's presence to bring more people to come to see Jesus. Cause that's what you're here to do. Mm-hmm. And God will see it to be fruitful. So my, I applaud you in sticking to your guns yeah. and hope it, hope it uh, continues to be, um, in five years, something that's advantageous to you. So let's move on to another question here. Um, let's talk about successes and challenges. So what are some successes you've seen at All Nations that were beyond even what you initially thought? Some successes. Give me a, a, a happy, clappy story that makes me feel good about what God is doing here at, at All Nations. Other than the, the m- multitude of baptisms, which I think is the ultimate Yeah, I was going to say that's it. You know, for me, um, I don't want to give too specific of a story because it's not my story to tell. Mm -hmm. But um, we have former gang members. We have former drug dealers. We have recovering um, people who are addicted to substances. We Mm -hmm. have... People who gather with us, like a Thomas, who don't agree with what we think about Jesus, but they don't argue with what we've done in his name. Mm. And I love that when you walk into All Nations, even like we had a drive-in service, 
and it's truly a church as diverse as the city we serve. That includes, yes, race, class, and culture, but that also includes morality, mm-hmm. um, political party, um, background, um, dependencies, all these, like, it's so the gamut, right? Mm-hmm. And that when you walk in, I love, like we had, we had a person walking uh, to Dollar General, and they stopped, and they, they, they decided to, like, sit on the hood of their car and listen to the rest of the service. And then we got their <laughs> contact card and all that kind of stuff. Um, as soon as the service is done, we were like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that what he saw was inexplicable. <laughs> this shouldn't be happening. We, I shouldn't see that guy in a Mercedes Benz sitting next to that guy sitting next to a car that's being held together by duct tape. Hmm. I, I shouldn't see a person who looks like me worshiping and hugging a person who doesn't look like me. Hmm. This, this, this shouldn't happen. And it was inexplicable except by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I love that people are like, when you walk in, you're like, this, this, this shouldn't be happening. This doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. How is this happening is the question. And you're like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only Jesus. possible answer, right? There's so, nothing else in the world that can bring, you know, disparate groups together like... So that was this Sunday. Yeah. But I, I tell you this, every, every week, every day maybe, <laughs> I rejoice in our diversity as a church because um, it's a testimony to the power of the cross, the way it reconciles people, and the work of the Holy Spirit, Yeah. All right, so I think that's a really great strength, and I, I mm. applaud you for uh, for sharing that. Those are not easy stories, but by golly, by the end of the story, it's easy to tell because it's a it's a it's a rejoicing yeah, in what God right, is doing. Yeah, right? right, yeah. But let's talk about some things that, and I think they kind of go together. What are some things that are challenges to yeah. ministry here at All Nations? So, in University City, there are kind of a thirty thousand foot answer. I, 40,000? Is it 30 or 40? I don't know I don't what the 30,000 cliche is. Anyway, so really high up answer would be <laughs> that there's three wards to U City. Yeah. Uh, the southernmost ward is called the first ward, and that's where you see million dollar homes. Um, it's 95% Caucasian. The, the second ward is kind of a mixed bag of the two. And then the third ward is 95% African American. The median household income is $45,000. 73% of the homes with children are single parent homes, most of those being women um, and the, or, you know, mothers. Um, and it's a crazy stat of like 80 some percent of the homes up here. So on all of Boulevard, 80% of the homes to the north of us are rentals and mm-hmm. median household income of 45. 99% of the st- students in the school district of University City are on free or reduced lunch plans. Um, the school, school district itself Though our city is about 50-50 black and white, the kind of the thought is if you can afford private education, you leave, meaning that all that's left as you get older and older, um, all that's left is uh, the people who can't afford uh, private education. So our mm-hmm. high school is 97% African-American, even though our city is 50-50, and it's mm-hmm. like, or our municipality, and it's all of these things kind of working together present a lot of challenges. Yeah. And um, God has called us to this place and there's no question God is blessing us with relationships 
with people from the third ward and the second ward much more than the first ward. Mm -hmm. And and some of that is cultural where it's like it's scary to come up to the third ward. It's, you know, or whatever that may be. And so I've told God, I've told him, I mean, I either need a thousand mites or I need a thousand widows. Mm. And if you're going to keep sending widows, you got to keep sending mites. Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and, and that's just, that's been the challenge yeah. of how do you continue to do ministry in a context where the needs outweigh the means. And yeah. yet I'm a fully ordained eight years post high school education pastor. Mm. I need to make a living. I work two jobs. I'm, I'm what's called bivocational. So I'm a pastor. And then I also work for Lutheran Hour, which is a ministry here in St. Louis, um, but it's an international ministry. But um, I, I work two <clears throat> jobs in order to be, so I work 20 hours a week for Lutheran Hour, and then also for All Nations. And, and he didn't state how many hours he works for All Nations, yeah, because right. it's hard to calculate. Because <laughs> it's hard to calculate. And then you got uh, five kids, and I'm you know stretched mm-hmm. thin. And, and yet, the mission is whatever it takes. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, uh, you know, Mary, uh, at the wedding at Cana, Hmm. um, Jesus, she's like, they ran out of wine, dude. And he's like, why are you bothering me? My time has not come. And then she goes to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. Mm -hmm. And I'm just doing whatever he told me. Yeah. I'm a servant. And I'm doing whatever he tells me. You want me to fill this jar with water? Okay, I will. I don't understand why. And I think um, I say to anybody who, you know, supports us or partners with us, same thing. Just do whatever he tells you. Yeah. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, don't, don't like fill a jar with water and then add, add something else to it. He just said, no, fill the jar with water. So do it. Yep. That's it. Let him do the rest. And that's kind of. So as a long-winded way of answering the challenges, those are the challenges, and that's how it's made ministry difficult. And my, my next question was about how COVID has impacted your ministry, but we've kind of been talking about that all along, and it's just a, it's a struggle for ministries that are well-established, that have you know, good budgets and good giving. It's got to be an absolute, real impactful challenge. So the yeah, the stimulus ministry. check was real for us, not yeah. because, oh, we were going to update the cabinets in our kitchen with that money. Yeah. I mean, like people living on that. And I'll, I'll just, I'll be frank, you know, we, our, our, Easter offer, our Easter offering was the smallest offering I've ever collected in my entire tenure mm. at All Nations Church. Um, the, the offering bucket jingled and COVID and people not working has hit people differently. Yeah. But when you're in an hourly job, it's hit differently. And then when your kids are home alone because schools are closed, it hit differently. And now you're forced to choose of leaving my children unattended or working. And uh, that was a real, um, I mean, it's, it's just real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, how else to say it. It's just real. And um, I think COVID's been a challenge for everybody, and it's just presented itself in different ways in different contexts. I mean, financially speaking, but you talked about how you're doing, uh, you're, you're in the parking lot stuff and how that's created new opportunities. So well, it's like, yeah. you know. See, it's, it also made us get creative, too. Yeah, right? and yeah, so, like, we had drive-in services, and then we're like, okay, well, let's do a bunch of, like, outdoor things in our yeah. parking lot. And maybe that's increased our visibility because mm-hmm. people are like, oh, they hear a street preacher. And, sure. Oh, what are they doing over there? They're playing chalk. Oh, what, yeah. There's like a dozen kids riding on the sidewalk. What that, are they doing? That 
idea reminded me out of the sermon I preached this week. It was on the vine and the vine dresser and how he prunes the healthy fruit. Mm-hmm. And it's like this idea that that God allows, and not just allows, but often puts us in positions where we have to adapt, mm-hmm. you know, to survive, or we need to, where we feel like we're getting huge swaths of us, huge chunks of us cut away simply because he knows that leaving that vacuum will make the good fruit within us produce tenfold. So So it's, uh, and, and, and the pruned bush is only beautiful to the gardener. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. No one looks at it and goes, Oh, how beautiful. Except the gardener is like, perfect. Exactly how I want it. (laughs) All right. So let's move to, to another discussion here. Um, I think we've, touched on quite a few good things here, but um, when you think of uh, all the things that All Nations is doing, what is it that gets you the most excited? Give me like kind of one central thing that, that, that gets you out of bed in the morning. There are so many who have yet to know. Mm. The, the, the open space for more to join, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, that's... Well said, like a church planner. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, just there's so many who have yet to know. And I think there's so many who have, like, made a bad conclusion about Jesus based on it, a bad experience with Christians or Christianity or Grandma's church or whatever. Yeah. I love letting people meet Jesus mm-hmm. and just going, hey, uh, Jesus, Scott, Scott, Jesus, yeah. you guys talk it out. I, mm-hmm. I'd like you guys to meet each other. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is... The less I can triangulate that relationship and truly let that happen, man, that gets... All the better. Yeah. That gets yeah. me up. Well, well stated. Um, so let's talk about the relationship between all nations and king of kings. What are some ways that in the short term, let's say within the next year or two, that we can support you? Mm-hmm. And let's also talk about a little bit longer term. How can king of kings and all nations uh, relationship benefit both of us in 10, 12 years? Yeah, right, right. So continued support, I mean... Uh, you guys have been supporting us in the past and I, it just everything, um, every dollar matters. And so that, that's been huge. Also like helping us with Easter supplies or back to school rallies or the holiday shop. You've, these thing, these drives, these collections that you do, I know it's like, okay, we're doing a collection for somebody. <laughs> we're the somebody, Yeah. you know, um, th- this this is the space where that candy gets handed out. This is the space where those backpacks get handed out. This is the space, you know, like, so continue to do those drives. Um, the, and, then, and then I think the, the learning of um, what we've been doing in small group and, like, how it, it, it um, forces us to ask questions of what is church and the essentials of church and all that kind of stuff. I think some of the things that we've been doing uh, with small groups and stuff um, – I think that can be reciprocal and that can be um, a benefit that we can provide. And then also we do something every fall called Prosper the City mm-hmm. where groups of people get together for three weeks to plan a service project on the fourth week. That's yeah. it. And so instead of the church being a clearinghouse saying, hey, we're doing um, a litter pickup, sign-ups in the back, and you know as well as I do, when sign-up is in the back. You get the normal two or three that are willing to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but the beautiful thing about this is you just get a group of people together and say, okay, the, the, the eight of us, all right, mm-hmm. let's do an inventory. What is our skill sets? What mm-hmm. are, we do something called asset mapping week one, and then you, do, you plan, okay, where are we going to do that now? And then you look around with the skills that you have, and you put together a service project, and it's amazing. 
So in, in a church like King of Kings, if 10 or 15 different groups of people were planning a service project, you'd have 10, 15 mind-blowing service projects to celebrate on a Sunday. So yep. it's three weeks, that's it, to plan a service project, not a program, a, an event, a service project on yep. the fourth week, somewhere in your neighborhood, somewhere in your community, somewhere in your network. Man, yep. is it awesome. It's called Prosper the City. It's every October. And I, I, I think whether it's, you know, fits in your guys' calendar, but I think that's another way of just, like, equipping and mobilizing people mm-hmm. that I'd love to see that, uh, e- even if it's just a handful of people of King, from King of Kings, yeah. um, I- I'd love to see that maturation process in our part- partnership as well. And, 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 and that's something that we've trialed, we've piloted, we've field-tested it here. <laughs> we know it works regardless of what you think about Jesus. Again, you know, you can come together, and, and it's awesome. Definitely. Well, I think we talked about a lot of good stuff today, and uh, I think hopefully we've given the, the people at home a, a better picture of uh, what ministry looks like mm-hmm. in a different kind of context mm-hmm. and why it's so important and vital that, that churches uh, work together to, to mm-hmm. do ministry not just locally, but locally to some degree, but in a more broad sense in our in our community where we can really have an impact for each other, yep. mutually speaking. So um, I'm going to close this in a prayer, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, move on with our day. Sound yeah, good? Thank, thanks for thanks for coming on out, and Certainly. thanks for taking the time to listen. And Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll close this in a prayer, and we uh, go before our Lord. God, I give you thanks for this opportunity that we've had today to uh, have a real and meaningful conversation about the ministry that's going on here in this uh, in this place of U City and throughout St. Louis as a whole, as we uh, we join uh, sister churches all around our area to advance the cause of the gospel, to show people Christ. Uh, I pray, O oh God, that you would continue to work through uh, Pastor Chris, through um, through all of those who serve here at All Nations, that you would continue to work at King of Kings, through our leaders, our volunteers. Uh, I pray that you would uh, let your Holy Spirit move. That um, we might prosper the city, that we might lead others to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, to have that simple uh, conversation, hey, do you know Jesus? Uh, I thank you for uh, the zeal with which Chris does ministry, and I pray that you continue to move uh, him through challenges and give him the encouragement to uh, to uh, do whatever it takes to um, show people Jesus. And so I give you thanks, O oh God, for this time. Uh, we pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can watch it live on YouTube or Facebook Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.